Good morning, y'all. We're going to get started. I'll pray for us. So the Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the cool weather that finally feels like winter. And um, we thank you for the gift of our families, our, our children especially. Lord, as we come now today and talk about, uh, we could talk about so many things, but as we talk about marriage and um, as we talk about teaching our kids in particular, there's a lot that is overwhelming, there's a lot that's vulnerable, and a lot of probably guilt and shame that I feel and that we feel. So we ask that we would have your Holy Spirit come into this place, that we would experience the gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace, and that you would give us a vision for what the next step in our families would look like in these areas. So we ask uh, all of this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, great to see everybody. It's been, uh, I was catching up with Trip. it's just been a wild fall. I don't know, has that been the case for y'all? Like, I can't believe that it's Thanksgiving already, like next week, that came out of nowhere. Um, so I hope you guys have, uh, have had a good fall, and we were plagued with illness for much of, of the fall, it seemed like. So I want to draw your attention briefly to the syllabus. I've updated it, just to, we're going to fly through, we've got... A couple more weeks left. We're nearing the end here. But, of course, you know, this week being Thanksgiving, many are going to be out of town. Hopefully you'll make it back for Sunday. Uh, But we will not meet next week for this class because it's going to be interesting. We were talking about, you know, this week we're we're looking at one of the things, teaching our children and training our children the faith. And there's going to be a chance to do that as a family in the Advent Wreath Workshop which I believe will be next door, right? yeah, in the parish hall. So if you've never done an Advent wreath, it's a talk about little habits of ways to engage all ages. It's very multi-sensory and tactile, and it, you can make it as simple or as ornate as, as you want. But we found it to be a great thing for us. Our so. kids, it was really funny. Our kids yesterday were out playing with neighbor's kids, and um, they like came inside, they're like, Mom, come outside on the porch. We have a surprise for you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And there was like a HelloFresh box that had like, you know, been sitting in the garage because breaking out a box is just way too much to ask of life. But um, they were all standing there, like our kids and the neighbor's kids, which I love because they invited the neighbor's kids into this, right? And um, they're like, open the box. And I open the box. And it's just a bunch of like leaves and berries and acorns and all kinds of things they had been like for two hours going around the neighborhood looking for. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Thank you for this box of nature. And the best part was they went, this is for our Advent wreath. And I was like, this is, they're, they're eager to do this. And they just invited the, the neighbor kids into it. So just something like, Crazy. just as you think towards this and we get into this conversation. Yeah, we would have never envisioned that mm-hmm. happening, but they, they often pick That's up on things practice. and see things differently and in ways that convict us, which is really exciting. Um, so we're going to try and do something really audacious today, which has covered two different classes that we had separated uh, into one class. And so we're talking, as I said, on marriage and then on um, instructing our children specifically. So I think we're going to start with marriage, which the, the Ryle book doesn't cover that. Uh, but I think it's we've alluded to it throughout the class. And if you've if you've missed a few, these are all online just by way of reminder. We've recorded them. They're up there, all the documents. So you can you can catch up on those if you haven't. Um, but marriage is a pretty fundamental part, as we've seen in parenting and the Justin Whitmill early book habits of the household deals with that. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about marriage is he just says at the beginning, 
the Bible is from beginning to end about a, a marriage, a wedding. It begins with Adam and Eve in the creation and this first married couple, and it ends in what marriage really points to, which is God's love for his people and this great wedding feast in, in the new heavens and the new earth when God's people are joined with him face to face. And one of the things that's really important about marriage is recognizing that it's a covenant. That's uh, a word that if you're in business or law, maybe you use more than the average person today. But the whole covenantal love gets it one of the major thrusts of what marriage is all about. And, and our kids, we're hoping to instill this kind of covenantal love. So if you think about the way love is understood today, it's usually, uh, it's, I, I want to get something out of it. I want to be, you make me feel uh, happy. Or it's, it's all about a feeling, right? And that feeling, if you fall into love, you can fall right out of it. But covenantal love is so different. And what he says um, in here is, uh, I love you. This is what covenantal love is. I love you despite what it costs me. And the marriage vows that are given in an Anglican wedding, it says, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, till death do us part. And ironically, it's that kind of commitment in marriage that produces these feelings of freedom and happiness and, and love. So, um, but why is marriage important in parenting especially, would you say? What, is, what are some of the things that he gets at? Um, well, because it's modeling the love for our kids and creating that, um, that value and that space. Um, the, the good marriage is a comfort to the child and then security for the child, right? Yeah. I was really moved last night. We, he did a wedding and, um, afterwards we're sitting at a table, um, with Mm. some older, older couples and they were talking about love and, um, this couple kind of across from us, they, I mean, they actually both, both yeah. started crying and they shared something really beautiful. And it, it really hit this to saying, you know, she said like the, the early years of, of the romantic love, right? Sure. But that fades. And that it really is in their experience, they had been married for over 30 years. And as an older couple, um, they felt like they were in a season where that, um, that sacrifice, that cost um, was to, to be there for the other and really um, was, was present. And I kind of felt like, too, in my mind at that point, um, not negating, but I was like, I actually feel like in these parenting years with young babies that has felt like mm-hmm. I can think of like as the body um, healed from from having children, just just the intimacy of a marriage to um, have a spouse that cares for the other and asks, what do you need? And is present to the sleep deprivation and, and the, just the embodiment of Christ to the other. Um, and that's not romantic uh, in, in those moments, I don't think, but it's, it's something so much more. Yeah. That's what it, those feelings of romance and, and joy become like surprising they're, like they were kind of all in the infatuation stage right like in the beginning but like throughout I, I think um in talking to these folks they kind of jump out at you at times that you don't expect and they're much deeper and more profound because of this kind of commitment to serving and the the giving yourself for the good of the other um so how do you build a good marriage and how do you keep yeah. the house built that's what this chapter is mm-hmm. really about um and so there were a few things that he touches on um 
oh, I forgot. So one of the things I think that is important is if we're if the whole Bible is about like love God, love your neighbor, and that's the main goal of parenting. They see that, and a picture is worth a thousand words. In fact, those what we say is far more instructive than what or what we do. Sorry, is what much more <laughs> instructive than what we say, and what they see in us loving shapes significantly how they love us and love one another. And you could go into a lot of the like family systems and stuff like that of how kids adapt when there's either strife or different dynamics in the marriage. So it's a, it's a hugely important thing. Hopefully you're aware of that on some level. Some things that he points out that are helpful for cultivating a marriage and then maybe talk a little bit about what we found helpful. So the first one he says is oh. date night. Date night. Yeah, like just having a regular time. Different seasons are going to afford you different I love that he, because the person I am, I, and, and I think the culture that we've been fed by was very much like date night once a week. Yeah. That, that just doesn't function for us for many reasons. But um, he said like date, well, date night is every week. And in my mind, I always picture date night every week. You got to, you got to go somewhere. And I don't like that. Um, just as a person, like that's really hard for me. Um, but he said like once a week or once a month, they go somewhere, but they still have their set date night, which is like the Wednesday night after the kids go to bed, wine or a cocktail, or if you're like going really extra, maybe a dessert, um, on the couch, spending time together. But I mean, how does that usually go if you don't have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what was so great at the end of this chapter were all the questions that the date night questions, the date night questions. page one forty five, so good. Mm-hmm. But but okay, so what's the hurdle to that? Is that we're gonna sit down and feel really like okay, we're sitting on the couch, <clears throat> it's date night. Um, there's these questions. Yeah. Should, should, do, am I going to ask them first? Are you going to ask them? Does this make us weird if we ask these questions? Like, it's kind of like with all of these practices that we've read through, it's just taking that first step into the rhythm. And then as you take that step, that rhythm becomes more routine. And I don't think you're sitting down on the couch going, hmm, so... What's going well? Well, it's, inter- <laughs> it's interesting. But have you all seen these gifts that are like in – I was in a bookstore the other day like where you know, there's all sorts of these um, – It's like date night uh, prompts basically. And so I mean I think what he's – I mean even though there's questions. Some people may really appreciate that. Yeah, it might feel awkward. But I think by and large our culture is starved for just how do we have ideas for – for connecting and doing something that is maybe out of the ordinary. So what might seem uncomfortable and awkward for some, it might be a, uh, a great joy to have something at least scripted that you can work off of in others. And I, th- yeah, I was really appreciative of how he redefined, because I definitely think of dates very formally and you've got to go somewhere and get a babysitter. And I don't, I like, I read, I, I realized you know, I didn't think this chapter and the chapter on instructing your children or family devotions had anything to do with each other, except I picked up on this. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. on. They're both on Wednesday night in their families. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's a little life hack because I'm like mm-hmm. adding up the time. of How are they doing all these things? But so they do like family devotions around dinner time. They, and I can just imagine them doing dinner, putting the kids to bed. And if I'm honest, I'm like, I'm ready for bed at that point. I don't <laughs> like I don't know how after all of that a day and then family <laughs> The mess will get to that. But mm-hmm. I think that's the important thing is this is the engine of the whole thing. So, like, if you don't put time into the marriage, 
a lot of it is going to be just fruitless in, in your parenting. And so as hard as it is to cultivate the time, even if it's 15 minutes, yeah. I think is... Well, and it's owning the time. Nothing. It's it's knowing the time too. Yeah. Like if you were just like Tuesday night, we put the kids to bed and you're like, hey, you want to do like a couch date night? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, just I think springing that on that, mm-hmm. each other is probably strategically, you know... But I'm knowing so the time, that. I think setting that's, it. Yeah, that's what I'm convicted with is they're so good, and as you read this, of being intentional about setting the times that they're going to do things. I'm way more loosey-goosey. Let's do this, and it's not consistent and that yeah. sort of thing. So I think there's, there's a time and a place for the impromptu and the, the spon- uh, spontaneous, but also uh, having the schedule and the check-in. So like that was one of the... Biggest things I think that I remember in, gosh, the first couple of years where we were, um, you know, we were in counseling and we don't think that there's a stigma with counseling. No. I mean, it's a great thing. Like I, Counseling to me feels like a spa treatment for the marriage. Yeah. Like, sure, there, there's counseling you go to when it's like you're bleeding out. There's trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, that's your reactive, like, you are responding and you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, there's the counseling that's your annual checkup where you're going to get, like, a great bill of health and maybe your flu shot while you're there. But yeah. I mean, we, like counseling feels like a treat if you've got the money to put on it like and there's other ways to do it that are you know way more affordable there's so much care out there quality care for marriages because I think about these check-ins and I'm like okay great great yeah right but if you can't sit on the couch with your spouse and ask that question um what is one thing I can do to love you better encourage you more support you better i mean there are times in our marriage where i think that question those three questions would have been like the throwing one another into a pit of snakes yeah like we were not in a place where we could handle that question Mm -hmm. and each other's souls well enough and we needed someone to help us Mm -hmm. ask those questions and give those answers well and think of and and do the self-reflection to be able to actually offer the answer well um so we i mean no 10 10 10 10 support like we if i don't think there's any shame but there is a whole culture of shame surrounding counseling christian counseling or yeah and i think that um one of the things that i particularly like to do i mean we one of the best what i considered maybe the way he defines a date was there was this like online inventory called prepare and rich i use it for um, premarital counseling too, but it basically gives you a snapshot of how your relationship is. It goes over communication, conflict resolution, you know, dreams, vision, values, all these sorts of things. And it was pretty exhaustive and I like data. I like that sort of thing. It was really fun just to have a glass of wine and, and look at some of the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the reality. Yeah. And, but really that was what's year seven of marriage. I remember the first year of marriage though, sitting there and it felt like the most daunting thing when the counselor said, all right, I want you to eat, ask each other this question every day mm-hmm. throughout the day. How am I doing today in this relationship? Which seems like I'm inviting you just to throw me under the bus. Like, why am I asking this question? I will gladly throw you under the bus. Yeah. But we, she, she said, you know, each of you asking that question, that alone single-handedly over time began to create a foundation where we we weren't throwing one another on the bus and it was that checking in and as issues came out in the marriage we were able to um to focus that question more how am i doing on x today and and that sort of thing so um that's that's the probably good place to stop on marriage because uh spending time alone there's so much in there that's really important but the power of check-in and um 
Yeah, I, if you haven't read just the little like three pages on each chapter, that's really, really good. I, I love those. But let's get to what probably now could be, let's talk about all of our fun resources for the rest of the time. Um, family so devotion. you're getting your marriage into a good place yeah. and, and you're, you understand the value of constantly putting in the work and the time to have a good and healthy marriage, not just for yourselves, not just to honor the Lord, but that we, we realize that our kids are... are are seeing the fruit of that marriage. Okay, so now you want to do family worship in your home. Yeah. What is that? What is that? What is that? And <laughs> what's it look like practically? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. full honesty, this is something I think we have struggled with mm-hmm. and I am a priest and feel embarrassed to say that. Like we this looks really mm-hmm. like sporadic yeah. is a good word to say in our family. It mm-hmm. it I am uncomfortable with the lack of attention that my kids give me, and I take that personally. You do. I don't do mess very well. Mm. These are all the things. But that's what I love in this chapter. He talks about, he really dives into the importance of the mess. And that Jesus, because children are messy. People are messy, especially. Uh, and so coming to him with these uh, concerns and fears. But Jesus really welcomes with open arms kids with uh, who, who are messy, and he talks about how one time he was meeting with his disciples, and like the parents would, they obviously thought enough of Jesus to bring their children mm. to Jesus. What, what like that's so interesting. Uh, what was it about him that made them think that this was good or okay or something like that? But you know, he, I think he speculates that maybe Jesus would have like stuck his tongue out the side of his mouth or or like look made a silly face at kids. I never considered that. Maybe I mean, <laughs> who knows? But um, he obviously probably had a way with children that was that welcomed them and welcomed the messiness and the that his disciples were not comfortable jesus disciples were not okay with um, and he rebuked him for it and so he starts the point he says just do something rather than nothing right so that's the first that's the first um hurdle we that we have to cross is that like we're going to default to nothing if we feel like what we don't have a plan we don't have the right tools um, the other things are, you know, occupying our time and our commitment. Um, so, and, and that for me, like what is, so I, I can name as a person like doing something that's hard for me because I want to have the plan and I want to have the consistent plan, but he really talks about, um, seasons, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, and, and that's something, you know, you think about like your newborn date, like your first year with a baby, right? Like you get like we can sleep now and we worked really hard for three weeks to sleep and then what happens a sleep regression or a tooth or a stomach bug and so like you worked you were really committed to this plan and then that plan's product gets hijacked and you're discouraged and what do you do now? I mean, so you're always shifting and i think when we take that to family devotions family worship um we can realize that there needs to be grace, you know, not starting so hard. Like I'm going to have, um, we are going to read, we're going to read this catechism every day at nine Oh nine AM. And we're going to sit and it's going to be great. Like adjusting to that and realizing, I think in this point, and, and I'm kind of bringing this, there's another parenting, um, group on Wednesdays during choir that just did, um, they're doing what? Visionary, Visionary parenting. Rob Reno, yeah. Rob Reno. And just last week was the family worship. Um, 
And he makes a great point, as does early, just that there's different things. You know, I always pictured it as we sit down, we read the Bible together, and we're done doing, like, that's family worship. But there's actually a lot of touch points and components to welcoming and establishing family worship in the home. So do you want to talk about what some of those were that you covered? I think in some, just, I love actually, you know, here's a guy, right? J.C. Ryle writing in the 1850s. And a lot of what he has to say, if you distill them down, they're very, very similar. Family worship is the language he uses, which Mm -hmm. is the modern. That can, like, what in the world does that mean? I think he does a good job, Ryle does, of saying, basically, there's two main things. Helping your kids learn to pray Mm -hmm. and exposing them, teaching them the Bible. Mm -hmm. That simple. And I love both of them talk about keep it short, keep it simple. That is and enjoyable. Absolutely. And he uh, early does a really good job, I think, of saying like this is one of the things that I I'm a very linear kind of person. I I have a very long intention span that most people I guess I can sit and work for something for hours and just get lost in it. Mm -hmm. Kids don't operate that way, obviously. And so one of the things I remember that you were as a teacher just so good at was occupying their hands and doing things that I thought would, would have been distractions, but they actually early makes the point that they are they help facilitate that time and make it go a little easier, mm-hmm. but it can reinforce certain things. So I remember like when we were in Clemson and we had uh, a bunch of folks over to our house for what we called conversations on court. This was not a Christian thing. We just had all sorts of different people on you know the conservative to progressive spectrum over to our house, and we just had conversations that you could pull a question out of a hat and then they would answer. But one of the things that you did was brilliant was just lay out the table with like construction paper and pens and they could just draw and doodle and it diffused tension, but it gave people a way also to process. I think it's especially important. It was really for cool. Kids. I mean, these were adults and like very artistic adults many times and like we'd be done with the evening and like clear the table and I was like, how can I want to like cut this you can piece make of butcher out and frame it? But I mean, if, if that's what adults are, are able to access and do while engaging conversation, I mean, think how much more kids. Um, so wh- um, prayer. Yeah. So uh, I was actually kind of digging into some Montessori stuff the other day, thinking ahead, right? Because that's sometimes helpful with kids. It's like, I know the direction I'm heading in. So how do I get there well without feeling like I'm scrambling? Um, and so... Um, in Montessori, for example, with like little people, there's the bell and the timer. Is anybody familiar with this? It's a lovely way um, and an approach to um, teaching stillness and quietness and prayerfulness. Um, you take a tray, you put a bell on it, and you put a sand timer. And you know you can get sand timers in all different lengths, right? So you start with a little one and you model this for the child as the adult. You know, this is weird, right? Because as adults, we have this hard time entering into that that posture and that place of, of play, like like-mindedness with the child. Um, and, and the quietness feels weird for us, right? But you take the sand timer and you flip it over and you sit there quietly and you watch it. And you just do this and you're going to do this a couple of times and your kids are going to be at the first time like spinning around, like trying to get on you, but you are committed to this sand timer and this quietness. And then the sand timer finishes and you pick the bell up and you ring it and you celebrate and you praise God. woohoo! And then you put it back down and you flip the sand timer and you're back to quietness. 
And so as the kids have like start, now the kids are in, they're starting to observe, they're starting to watch the parent enter this. And what does your kid want to do? Ring that bell, right? And so then it's their time and you offer and you say, I wonder if you would like to try this. And so what you're doing is you're starting to create those things that teach your child stillness, quietness, self-control. That when then you invite them into prayer, it's, it's, a, it's a delight. It's, it's associated to those experiences of delight. And there are, there's a wealth of resources out there for helping families do this. Because I think it, it, all of the prayer and the worship in the home and, and those rhythms, it takes me back to the moments in this where we talked about... Um, um, duty versus delight, right? Like I can go to church or I can make my kids sit down at the table and we are going to do family worship right now. But I'm really missing that, like that's stopping at duty, right? Um, versus welcoming the experience of delight, the bell ringing delight, right? And there's a lot of that out there and I'm happy to share those resources. Um, the, the Montessori world does that very well for young children, I think. Um, even just, just doing things like um, listening to the Lord's Prayer while scooping beans, you know, that they have to stay there. Like, if you just put the Lord's Prayer on in your house and your kid's allowed to just do, like, no. When we come to the table right now, I have, a, I have a, a jar here and a jar here, and you can scoop these beans. And while you scoop these beans, I'm going to let you listen to the Lord's Prayer. You know, you're creating that association, that intentionality, that a child doesn't even realize what's really going on, right? And it's not done in duty, like we have to scoop these beans right now, but it's just a delightful experience. Yeah, that's so, so good. Oh, pray, I can do another thing with prayer real quick that I, I'll share. Um, that maybe Prayer posture, right? Mm -hmm. As someone who didn't grow up in a church or in a, a Christian home, um, learning prayer posturing was really weird for me as an adult, and I think we miss that in teaching children. So I, like, I can think about my classroom when it was birthdays. We would pray for somebody. But before we did, I had taught the children. We talked about the different, we made a list of like prayer posture. You can kneel. You can sit. Some people like to hold hands. You can put your hand on somebody, right? Um, you can just stand near somebody. But what we would do with that birthday prayer is ask the child being prayed for, do you want people to lay their hands on you to pray for you right now? Or would you like us to stand in a circle and hold hands with you? What would you like to welcome as your prayer posture? And I mean, these are six-year-olds and there were plenty of them that said, I don't want to be touched. I would like to just sit and pray together. And I think that's so important and empowering to the child um, to talk about the postures of prayer. Because if there's one thing children are, it's very much in their bodies, right? And so to teach them the ways that they can sit, you know, sometimes, um, and to model that in a household, that we don't always have to sit on the couch and pray together, but that we can, um, let's just sit on the floor and, and just let's open our hands to God and just receive his blessing. Like, but as parents, that's going to feel weird to us, Right? Like, to, to invite that for our kids, to say, and or really, it's not so much just the kids. It's like, if your spouse is there and you're the spouse that's going to, like, take that lead and be like, all right, we're going to, um, let's just all hold hands right now and, and just sing praises to God. Mm -hmm. Like, that can, like, okay, that's like the other spouse's point to be like, not like, like what, but like, 
yes, right? Like, yes, I'm in, I'm in, yes, great idea, mom, great idea, dad, those kinds of things. I'm so glad that you you brought that up, um, the posture. And I remember, it's interesting, one of the things, Ryle on prayer is actually, I found more helpful than, because uh, he says, and I think this is really encouraging, like, as he's a bishop, and he's done lots of sermons, and I think I could relate to, gosh, you know, a Bible lesson, a teaching, a sermon, you'll forget it, you know. But he says the thing that most everyone remembers is what their, you know, what their parents or grandparents, when they first taught them to pray, mm. is one of the most lasting memories. And I wonder if that's true for you. It's true for me. I can remember my grandfather going to his house, and actually, I, I don't really remember, uh, and this was something, I mean, we prayed at meals in my home, but we, and that was a good thing. I'm great. I've grown in appreciation for what my parents have done. But we really, I don't recall praying. And what my grandfather would do when we stayed at his house was he would make me kneel at the bed mm. next to him before I went to bed. And we would pray this weird thing. And there's a funny little YouTube. It's like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And I, there was this YouTube video that was like, you know, as a kid, you hear this. And you're like, what in the world is he talking about? And you jumble up the words. You're not even sure what, what he's saying exactly. Yeah. But that has stuck in me so much. And what it did was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And so it, taking heart, I think, the importance of teaching our kids to pray. And Jesus mm-hmm. gives us that in, in the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. uh, which, which we'll get to in a little bit of, of that. But when it comes to prayer, obviously, I think, you know, where we are in our day and age, I think we default to the less structured, the less scheduled. We're just, we're all over the place. We try to spontaneously pray as often as we can, which is a great thing. But imagine any relationship, if, if you're just always doing that, the same thing with the marriage, you have to take the scheduled time to check in. And that's why we have both rhythms of praying before bedtime or when we wake up or on the way to school. Those are some of our rhythms right now. Um, and and also the spont- when they share a need or a concern or a fear, just diving right into prayer. That's, I feel like that's like, if you, if, in my experience, like listening to people's stories mm-hmm. of prayer throughout their life, what have they associated with? You hear like, well, I grew up in a house, you know, we prayed at dinner, we prayed at bedtime. But mm-hmm. in their story, their, their moments of growth personally were when they wanted to pray at other times in their lives. So how do we not cultivate just that story in our kids' lives where, well, I prayed at dinner time and I prayed, you know, it's, it's developing that language that um, just as I can talk to their parent in, in front of them, right? Um, when my kids get, get hurt in front of their friends outside, you know, oh Lord Jesus, great healer, come now, be with, be with my son. As he hurts, and please heal and comfort him. Amen. In front of their friends. What? Right? But to just that our kids know, too, that we're going to welcome prayer and and converse with our Heavenly Father. Not just at dinner time or in the car on the way to school. But it's just, it's the language with our our Mm ever-present God. Um, So... Prayer and now other and, yeah. rhythms. In, of in three minutes, we're yeah. going to talk about teaching your children. The first thing that we need to say is that the Bible is clear that it's not the church, it's not the Sunday mm. school teachers, it's the parents. Deuteronomy 6 is the command to parents that the primary instructors of their children 
And so that's a daunting task, right? So how do you do it? It's interesting, you know, what he says is, just read the Bible with yeah. your kids. And that, in, in some sense, like, if that's all you do, that's what's wonderful. You're exposing them to it. Questions will naturally arise. You know, this dad's Bible study we do on Tuesdays. We're trying to just read the Bible through the lens of what, what might my kids ask mm-hmm. about this? But, um, you know, we've brought a wealth of... Uh, one of the things he says is don't let other resources eclipse your time reading the Bible. Yeah. All of those things are secondary to the primary importance of, of the scriptures themselves. And at the biblically illiterate age that we're in, that's absolutely true. But I think, um, if anything, yeah, we, need, we probably need both and today, I would say. And so that's why we've brought some of these. In the back... There are actually I'll... some of them that are in this. Yeah. That's, I grabbed this, this is a, morning. This is a great... If, of all the ones to look at the... Uh, resources. This chapter on family mm-hmm. devotions is definitely the one. But I wanted to, sh- in the back, I, I gave my recommendations for which Bibles at different ages in kids' lives. The first one, th- and so you can grab these on the way out, but the youngest that, um, that we found, I found was most helpful, was the Big Picture uh, Story Bible by David Helm. And and we, like, I looked at ours this morning, like, the, the back binding is, like, pulled off. Our approach with with giving our children Bibles is not to keep them pretty and lovely, um, but to truly let them be the children's. You know, our kids see us, like, writing in our Bibles. And so with the big picture Bible, I remember giving Law, like, four different highlighters. And there were, like, three Sundays in a row where that task of giving him the highlighter and just letting him and it's not like he knew, he knew what he was highlighting he had no idea he couldn't like, even write no he was idea. just marking yes. all over it too. but it, it made the point to him that this is something we engage in yeah. like this is something we engage in and then like we i like in that one too like there's a bunch of sight words circled like that was like the next step of like oh he's learning sight words so he went through that bible and circled the word the a bunch but that was the next step like this word is something i can engage in so Bibles, um, I would say by the time they get here with Jesus' storybook, you know, with these, they're telling the story. Everything is falling out of all these. Um, with, with these, they're telling great stories, right? They're telling the story of the Bible. But something I just experienced as a first grade teacher, so that's a six-year-old, was um, they didn't know how to actually read the Bible. Like, so they would get something like this, like this great story, you know, David and Goliath. And then in here it says, and Jesus' story Bible has great videos that you can watch, but it says David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. And so that's, I think this is the age where then you as a family would go get that Bible and teach them to find 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 2, and let them highlight it and, and, and read it together and actually start making the connection that these wonderful stories story books that we're reading the big picture the story book like this these are the stories of god but this is the the word of god um in a, in a real bible and i think that's a great this was this was great i love it because it points to jesus all throughout Everything. the old testament it keeps jesus at the center and i love that so it was the first one i got mm-hmm. and i remember for grace anna and i was like holy cow uh, she's two or three, and they, the, the chapters were just too long mm-hmm. for her attention span. And, like, there was too many words on mm-hmm. the page, for instance. And so that's where the big picture story Bible, mm-hmm. I found from the very youngest, there's shorter sections of words, bigger pictures, and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. It's, it's imagine the skeleton of the story, and then as they get older, this fleshes out a little bit more. And then the next one, when they're twelve or 6 to 12 years old, uh, Kevin DeYoung's The Biggest Story Bible Storybook. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that that actually 
includes more stories, more sections of the Bible. So it's fleshing it out more. But I love, like as you said, the importance of holding an actual Bible, giving your kids one of those. Grace Anna last night was just in bed holding like one of these pew Bibles that we have. And she's just reading and highlighting different proverbs. And Daddy, I don't understand what this proverb means. It was I, it was wonderful. And I think kindergarten was about the time it talks about in, in early and it, it talks about devotional life. Like when, you know, your children can, kindergarten was when we saw Grace Anna formed by her school and by our household to really like actually, if you're doing it well, you know, a kindergartner. And that's the point that, that Ryle makes like kids can Kids can don't de- don't deprive them of, of the opportunity. It's all how you present it, you know. And if you present something with a little woo and some enticing, you know that that thing with the bell, like where's the bell, you know, to that quiet time, that 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 delightful moment. And so I think kindergarten was when Grace Anna um, really we saw like the, that moment where she was like, I want to go spend quiet time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I, we did not capitalize on that enough. Um, or probably with consistency. I mean, we, goodness, like, man, like I, that would have been a great moment to sit down and really be like, yeah, let's go do some quiet time together. But I'm blow drying my hair right now. And you want to go on quiet time. This doesn't work. But, um, man, there were good moments. So, I mean, like one of the things I did with Grace Anna, especially, and I need to get to the point with law, but it was like, we're going to go to a coffee shop together, yeah, just you and like me. That. And we're going to bring a Bible and we're going to read it and have a, have a special treat. You know, you make it something exciting. Let's talk about resources for actually, okay how do you teach kind of the Bible? Like I love early talks about, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. People throughout the church's history have created these things called catechisms. What in the world is that? Um, Wow. This, I I can't sing this, like the praises for this enough. This is done by Tim Keller. Um, It's new city catechism. We listen to it on the way to church. We listen to it on the way to school. It's this app. And so um, we were on question 10 this morning. We like to play, like, how many can we get through? But, I mean, I kid you not, you could go to Grace Anna Hare today and be like, Grace Anna, what is your only hope in life and death? And she'd go, that we are not our own, but belong wholly to God. I mean, because this is, it's, and I'll play it for you, just so you get the, because I think it's not sold enough on this. They're well done. Mm Mm-hmm. So it asks the question, and then it gives the answer. And there's all sorts of, like, there's new songs for, for each seconds. question and answer, yeah. Um, but the beautiful part in this is, okay, so I um, didn't grow up in the church. Like, I am very much the parent learning alongside my children. I don't have a theology degree, like... And the beautiful part in this catechism is that, and there's actually a um, devotion I think you found, but that it gives the kid version and it gives the adult version as well as a commentary to go and read and understand. So, I mean, it's going through, it just goes through the whole, everything to be a Christian. Here you go. 52. So you got like one, one a week, right? You could do in the year. And then you just circle back and understand it more. It has accompanying scripture. So this is your catechism question for the week. You know, what is your only hope, um, in life and death, right? Um, the kid version is that we are not our own but belong to God. The adult version is that we are not our own but belong body and soul both in life and death to God and to our Savior Jesus Christ. And your scripture memory verse for that week is Romans 14 verses 7 through 8. 
that I mean, and so talk about marriage and how that's like, imagine if this was your family rhythm where the kids have theirs and then the adults are going to try and do it more fully. And then by Sunday, you're able to all sit down and see if you've got it all together. And, and you're doing this alongside of each other. He gives a couple other great resources in the back. He talks about catechism for young children, an introduction to the shorter catechism. He says this is the best for young children, two and up. Uh, but there's also a version of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is probably for teenagers like young or older kids. That's really good. What I want to um, – we have so many resources really, but like um, we have an Anglican catechism that we give to every – family who has a child baptized or who goes through foundations and it's just question and answer so i use it as a resource then there's things like growing in christ by an anglican j.i packer who gives like like, so if you're going through for instance the lord's prayer Mm -hmm. or the apostles creed or the ten commandments it gives two to three pages Mm -hmm. for each petition for each line and, in, and I think that's so important because we say these things week in and week out in, in, in worship, but do we know exactly what all is being taught and conveyed in that? And then you can go even – so if, if the, that New City Catechism is like the, the youngest, then you've got maybe um, this one which explains a little bit of it. Then there's full-on tomes that expound the Ten Commandments of the Lord's Prayer. And all of those as adults, I think we're always growing in that. So. And these are so much better than like going to Google and finding a really random answer that yeah. you don't – you know. Like, if you're going to teach your kids the Lord's Prayer, be reading the book about the Lord's Prayer alongside it because they're going to ask those questions. Um, This is another good one. Theology. Get it? Theology. Theology. Um, And they also do Wonderful, which is um, all the Psalms. But this is another one of those great things. Like, as your kids ask hard questions... This is a great place for you as an adult to go to to find like a great little kid thing. And then it has accompanying scriptures where you might go then open the Bible to find it. All right. So before you break out, I just want to draw your attention to the note on adapting. This one is particularly good because as you, your family changes and grows, you have to adapt mm-hmm. in how you do all of this. Mm-hmm. Wonderful little diagram I found helpful on what that looks like. So um, what we'll do for just a handful of minutes is... Take the questions home with you. Just, I'd love for you to, to break out maybe this side and this side and just share some things that whatever's on your heart, whatever stood out in this time. But uh, let me just remind, let me read the very end here. We always need the reminder of grace. God's love inspires our action, but our action does not inspire God's love. Our family habits will not change God's love for us, but God's love for us should change our family habits. There's that reminder every week. Mm-hmm. In this, and so I felt like that was particularly important to share. So, why don't we break out now and uh, just share for a few minutes the things that you found helpful or brainstorm together?